I'm Dan St. Clair, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson, and allow me to reintroduce my co-host. His name is Cal C to the AL. He used to move snowflakes in the Midlands. <laughs> Mr. Williams, who's your favorite rapper? Wow. You were singing a little Lauren Hill uh, earlier before, as we were getting set up for this podcast. Yeah, but that doesn't count, does it? I mean, she's a rapper. Mm. She? Yeah, well, I mean, Fuji's... You know, she definitely raps. I mean, it, the miseducation of, of Lauren Hill was obviously it, it worked across many different um, genres. Mm. Um, but she's, I mean, I, you know, she's not my favorite rapper, but I don't know. I just thought I, I just thought I'd toss it out there. See if you're like a classicist, if you're like an Eric B and Rakim guy, or if you're like, you know, Snoop Dogg, or if you're like a new school guy. Or- um, I, I think... Um- I'm going to be fairly obvious here and just say someone like Eminem, you know, I mean, obviously it was always, sure. uh, some of his, some of his most famous songs, um, came out when I was sort of a teenager and whatnot. And I remember listening to a lot of that, but, um, I wouldn't class the, the next answer as my favorite, but one rap group that I remember growing up, I don't know if they ever made it over here. I don't think they did, but it was a, a British rap group called the So Solid Crew. I don't believe any British rap person has ever made it over here. <laughs> I mean, I remember Dizzy Rascal. Had yeah, well, a now now we're talking a different class of, of rap <laughs> genre here. Um, I, okay, tell me a little bit more about the, the So Solid crew. Yes. Okay. Um, they came out with a song. I, I don't know when it was. It was in my, my youth. Sure. Uh, it was called uh, 20, what was, it, what was it called? 21 Seconds. Um, and uh, it you know, at the time, I was like, oh, this is great. This is really, really awesome. My, myself and my best mate, Carl, were, were really, really into it. Um, and then they popped up randomly on, on online somewhere the other day. And I listened back to it, and I thought, my word, they were so bad. This is rubbish. <laughs> it's <was> so awful. <laughs> um, but, yeah, to answer the question, Steve, probably somebody like Eminem. You know, I just okay. always remember his his songs growing up, you know. British uh, British rap is sort of, I mean, okay, as Drake aside, who's sort of broken the mold of, of Canadian rap, I think, at this point. Um, yep. I had, I remember when I was young, there was a group called Dream Warriors who were from Toronto, I believe. And Canadian rap, I feel, is sort of like British rap in the sense that, like, up until recently, it was sort of uh, somewhat of an oddity. Um, but I love Dream Warriors. They were super dorky. Uh, and But they had a great song called uh, My Definition of a Boombastic Jazz Style. And they had that sort of jazzy. When I was growing up, I really liked the jazz-inflected hip-hop stuff, the Tribe Called Quest. And mm. some of the Native Tongues stuff was, was also terrific. Um, I was just recently... Uh, sort of in that, it's somewhat in that jazz category. I was listening to uh, MF Doom is one of my favorite rappers as far okay. as uh, the lyrical ability. And he has uh, his technical ability. You know, Eminem has that technical ability that it's just, he's got this flawless technique. Yes. Um, it, MF Doom is a much more, he's just very odd. It's very off kilter. Uh, and he made this record with Mad Lib, a producer called Mad Villainy. Uh, the name of the group was Mad Villain, technically. 
And uh, it's just, it's got a lot of jazz elements in it, uh, which is one of Mad Lib's things. Um, but it's a, just a perfect foil for, for MF Doom's weirdness. He has like multiple characters and multiple pseudonyms and things like that. So uh, I always appreciated that. And then I, I'm only thinking this, as the w- weather gets warmer, it's when I want to listen to more hip hop. So, um, okay. so, you know, I was listening to Kendrick Lamar uh, the other day, who's one of my absolute faves yep, uh, currently. And just being struck by, I was listening to Good Kid, Mad City, which is still my sentimental favorite of his because um, it came out at a time when I wasn't listening to a lot of rap. And, um, and the storytelling is just incredible. I mean, it's got this the scope of that album as an entire narrative is so amazing. And it's kind of one of those records where there's great tracks, but if you can put it on from beginning to end, it really does something entirely different, like as an entire piece. So... I don't know, that's just what I was thinking about. I'm always looking for good good music. So. Well, I was going to say, so, so that is your, in inverted commas, summer jams. Like, you, you turn to, to rap music, would you say? I mean, you know, at, at this point, I feel like I don't as much, simply because of having, I, I have no problem with profanity. Anyone who knows me knows I have no problem with profanity. <laughs> I do have two small children mm-hmm. whom I am protecting, I'm trying to protect somewhat from immediate profanity all the time. Yes, yes. And to that end, it can be a little tough to just throw on rap in the car. Um, yes. And I, to, again, to be clear, like, I enjoy I enjoy profanity. We listen to Lizzo, a good amount of Lizzo, and there's a fair amount of Lizzo that has profanity, but we can kind of, you know, we sort of explain it away. And my oldest knows that, you know, what swear words are, and she's, you know, sort of understand. Uh, we're doing our best to sort of have her understand that it's a situational thing. It's about expectations. It's about knowing who you're with. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, knowing the social situation and things like that. Um, but you know, it's a tough, it's sort of tough sledding. So we sort of, te- I sort of tend to shy away from that, but um, it is nice on a nice day to get in the car and just roll down the windows and play something that really has like oomph to it, which is also yep. my, uh, one of my other, I, and I played this for my daughter the other day, not rap, but um, uh, Bob O'Reilly by the who is one of my favorite oh, yes. summer I, I once had, I was at Copland's Coffee, which is a fantastic establishment. Um, and it was like the first nice day of the spring. And I got a Miel, which I highly recommend, which is like a honey latte. It's like I thought a, you said you got a Miel there for a second. Miel. <laughs> okay. it's, like a, it's like a cafe latte with a little bit of honey in there. And I got one to go and I got in the car. And it, it was I was talking about the who with somebody Uh prior to that, I think on Twitter. And then I was just like, I'm going to listen to Bob O'Reilly. And I cranked it. <laughs> I rolled the windows down and I was like, this is satisfying. Like, <laughs> a good cup of coffee driving with the windows down. So it's the little things in life. I'm looking forward to just that return of, of ease to just, you get up in the morning and you're not like how many layers do I have to put on? Sure. Like I have to put the, the, the snow stuff on the kids. I have to, I have to, I had to park on the wrong side of the street today. I have to like navigate a snowbank to get the kids mm-hmm. in the car. Like it's icy out there. Like, like just that sort of, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do my stuff. <laughs> I'm but looking forward to that. You're painting a very bleak picture of Minnesota right now. And, and what I will am say... I? I am. It's it's not that bad, <laughs> but at least for, for me anyway. I know we live in vastly different neighborhoods, but um, I it, I live downtown right. and, and everything is more or less sorted for you. I, I haven't had to, you know, shovel anything or anything like that, you sure. know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be nice... Waking up, not having to to put all the layers on and whatnot. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, return to a sense of normality. That would be. Uh, yeah. That would be I, really nice. I just feel psychologically, it's it's not really like it's it's not exactly tough. It's just that, like over time, especially with this the recent influx of snow. You know, I think just sort of 
gives makes me a little edgier, you know, like I'm just a little less, you know, tolerant of life's bumps along the way, you know, that like, and so the, the, the return of simply just sort of being able to be like, Oh, that's cool. You know, like mm. it's fine. It's it, just to it being lighter later helps, you know, like it, it makes me feel a little bit less like you're trying to get home before it's just pitch black basically. So, um, so it's the little things. Uh, let's talk about some little things with the LA galaxy because mm. we should move into soccer. Um, that's, game the la galaxy game we weren't going to win every game no we were not going to win every game i feel like uh i I won't put forward my whole case i thought i think that was encouraging and i I didn't feel like we we beat ourselves like this was not uh, we definitely minnesota united played games over the past two seasons where you're like well you're just not putting anything together i I thought it was very clear like this is our strategy this is our plan a this is what we do it's what we did against san jose and vancouver the galaxy just came out like just full of energy and just pressing all over the place and keeping us from playing that sort of possession based ball. And we didn't really adjust. We couldn't adjust in the first half. Now to me, I think that's a marker of a team. That's just, we've only played a couple games with this entire team. And so this is the, what we do. We barely had time to make like plan a be a solid plan. (laughs) So, but in this league, you're going to get tested when you get tested, then you need to start being able to have a plan B, which happened you know, as the adjustments were made, it sort of shifted. Um, but that couldn't really be done until the half. Uh, whereas you're hoping that as this evolves, players begin to develop the, the, the cognizance to sort of say, this is what's happening. This is how we circumvent that by changing what we're doing a little bit. It all came from the center of midfield. Yeah. And Minnesota were firmly dominated throughout the 90 in that area, particularly in the opening 45 minutes as well. I thought Giovanni, not Giovanni, yeah, Jonathan Dos Santos. Would have been difficult for Giovanni to have a good game. Too many Dos Santos. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos um, was fantastic. He absolutely dominated every aspect and every inch, every blade of grass in the center of midfield. You know, he was wonderful. And it's funny because we approached the game, I think, slightly arrogantly. Um, yeah, because I think all everybody in Minnesota, um, I, I would say there was an expectancy of, of something, for sure. And I think that was because of the previous two results. So, and that's fine, that's okay. But I, I think sometimes you have to put into context where you are. I said prior to going on the air that, look, we have to be very careful because going to LA Galaxy is never easy. They are essentially the Manchester United of, of, LA, of uh, Major League Soccer. They, Regardless of who they have available or not, their reputation alone makes it very difficult to go and play in Los Angeles or in, in Carson, more like. Um, and it was interesting because I, th- I think there was an element of overconfidence as well within the entirety of the organization, the fan base and whatnot, as I mentioned, because of the previous two results, but also because of the, the personnel that wasn't going to be available for LA Galaxy. All of a sudden, people automatically think, right, well, we, we should beat LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. No, 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 you shouldn't. That's not the case. Yeah. The other injuries that the Galaxy had, we didn't even touch on. Juninho and Perry Kitchen weren't available in the center of midfield. Um, they, uh, they also had a couple of other little niggles to, to other players. But this was essentially... Um, uh, people were identifying their centre midfield as, in inverted commas, a reserve three. So first of all, it was always three against two because Alonso and, and Gregish uh, were, were thoroughly explo- exposed. Darwin Quintero was, was marked supremely well by Dos Santos. Um, and let's not forget 
So let's identify, let's stop for a second and identify the three central midfielders for the Galaxy. Dos Santos, who we've already said, ex-Barcelona, Villarreal in La Liga, was a first-team player there. Over 50 caps for the Mexico national team. He's not bad. That's okay. The two players ahead of him, Sebastian Lejets and Joe Corona. Between them have got just over 30 caps for the U.S. national team. Lejet came through the academy at West Ham and, and has become a very important piece for LA Galaxy. Joe Corona won uh, Liga MX with Club America last season and, and played there with Darwin Quintero. Fabulous centre midfielder. Yeah. I don't think enough people realise just how good that midfield trio is and was on that evening. Um, so it, it, it's, it's obviously a disappointing outcome for Minnesota, but what I did say is that, look, we've gone away and lost at LA Galaxy. We're not the first, and we won't be the last to say that this season because it's always a difficult place to go there. And mm -hmm. um, I think if the coaching staff had another opportunity at it, I think they would probably change things slightly more to a 4-3-3 from the start sure. and match up with the bodies in the center of the park. Um, they shifted things slightly in the second half to try and do that. It didn't work. Um, but Minnesota were, were much more competitive in the second half, and, yeah. and, and there were avenues that opened up for them. Obviously, they got through some of the goals, and and they did okay. But um, look, as I say, it, it's it's a loss at the five-time champions. It's a loss at one of the elite clubs in Major League Soccer, who I don't think will will be towards the peak of the Western Conference this year, but they'll certainly be within the mix yeah. um, around that sort of area that I think Minnesota United will be as well. So, yeah. look, I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. Um, first half was poor, second half was better, but it, it was it was okay. It needs to be better moving forwards sure. if we are going to win some more games on the roads, particularly with the next two coming up at the Revs and the Red Bulls. But, look, it's not a disaster. As I said, we lost the LA Galaxy, and we won't be the last. Yeah. I thought that, um, and I would never suggest that that the Galaxy are better off without Zlatan. Mm. But I think in this particular game, that wrinkle that it produced, which was not really having a, like a pure striker out there, um, having those three midfielders playing against our two midfielders, it, that did create a sort of game that was just, it was very difficult for, for Minnesota United to get around. Um, they also were very good at pinning our fullbacks back. You know, uh, what we had seen before from Cabo and Metinier in terms of going forward just wasn't happening. Uh, Rolf Felcher is fast hmm. and gets out there and was running uh, Rasmus like ragged. Basically, that was a tough. That was a that was a tough. That was a tough draw for. Her, yeah, for that. I, I think we we made the Galaxy fullbacks look like all stars, and, and I say that with all due respect. I mean, Felcher's a good-looking guy. <laughs> first of all, that, the man bun is. Exquisite. On on, on uh, what what are the kids saying nowadays? Fleek is it? Is that what? The... I think that's a couple of years old now. Is it? Oh, oh well, well, that shows how out of touch I am. Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> look, I think Felcher was was good. I think um, Shkelevic as well on the left hand side. He was given the freedom of the left wing as well. Yeah, you know, um, and it was who was commenting about him making that move out there to the left back and looking a lot better? Was that you or was that possibly? Someone? Yeah, okay. I, I do remember pointing out that he as I said, essentially had the freedom of the left wing. And, yeah. and uh, you know, a lot of that was because obviously Minnesota tried to continue to play their game and, and Roman in the first half was very attacking minded as he is and, um, you know, did well, but but he, he got caught a lot and, and Shkelevic uh, got him behind very well. But a lot of that came from the, from the link up in the center of midfield from the LA Galaxy. So, um, yeah. look, they're a good team. Yeah. They're a good team. Yeah, I, 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 this was going to be the last thing I was talking about, but I'm just going to move it up a little bit. But I, I sort of have this theory about, about teams, uh, basically in any sport, I think, 
um, and how they evolve. Because I think a lot of times if a team is, you know, um, coming from a position of not being good um, to becoming good, it doesn't just go from not good to good. There's like, there's a lot of steps in between there. And I think your point about, you know, you, we, we sort of expect the galaxy to be down there competing for a playoff spot near the bottom, which is where we're going to be also. So mm. this is not like the, you know, this is one of those toss-up matchups. I think it can depend a lot on 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 the venue. It'll be interesting to see. I think this provides an interesting baseline to look at the Galaxy, who are coming back at the end of April yeah. to play at Allianz Field. But so basically, um, so the sort of first step is like you beat you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and then you lose the teams you're supposed to lose to, like somewhere like eighty percent of the time, mm-hmm. right? That's like you sort of like San Jose and Vancouver are two teams we should beat. We beat them. Uh, Galaxy is sort of a toss-up. But this sort of like at the top end of that, that 20% is sort of divided up between losing to teams you're not supposed to lose to and beating teams you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so last year, we lost to a lot of teams we should have beaten. We didn't really beat any teams who we shouldn't have beaten. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. If you can get that to be like a little more even where you're sort of, yeah, there's going to be a couple surprises, good and bad, and then you basically handle your business otherwise. I feel like that's sort of that step into like, okay, it's a solid it's a solid team out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but also as well, what I'll say is credit where credit is due to the Galaxy as well. Yeah. Because... I felt as though they played with a with a little chip on their shoulder. Yeah, um, I mean they were they're just energetic. I mean, yeah, it was. And I, I, I believe abrasive is is the word I would. Yes, from you. yes, I would I would agree with that. And I think um, when Minnesota got the goal back to make it two one, they very quickly made it three one. Yeah. Um, and look, in my opinion, Ozzy Alonso loses his man, and 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 Lejet gets away from him. Jan Gregus didn't shine himself in glory in that particular situation as well. Um, and, and Leggett was obviously there at the near post to, to stab in to make it 3-1. And, and his celebration was was very fitting because he, you know, he sort of ran off into the corner very aggressively, you know, punching the air and slapping the crest on, on his chest. And I, I kind of thought, I remember saying that like, this is the galaxy that we, we all know and, and, and the ones that we remember rather, you know, because... They did play with a chip on their shoulder, and and, and I love that from Legit because he was like, "No, we're, we're LA Galaxy. We don't lose, you know." And yeah, and I look as I say, credit where credit's due to them, and I'm I'm intrigued to see how they go now for the next couple of weeks. You know, there's yeah. some interesting games coming up, um, but no no doubt they'll be better than what they were last year. Yeah, um, a, a couple of little notes on the game. Uh, I thought Abu looked pretty good. Came on, come, came on late again, you know. But he had a he had a couple looks there that uh, shades of of the Montreal game uh, two yeah. years ago, where he's you know stepping out, doing that cutback, taking that long shot. Um, you know, I'm not going to say he's he's back yet or something like that, but it's good to see. He was re-energized, no yeah. doubt. Uh, he had a really good week in training, um, so he was given his just rewards and given an opportunity with what was it, 20 minutes to go or something. And mm-hmm. yeah, I thought I thought he added an element of energy that was missing. The one thing though, which he got completely wrong, and, and it's funny, I saw him working on this in training today on, on the the Tuesday. He was obviously out wide on the right hand side. There was one moment in the the dying games of the game where he was through on the right. All he has to do is play the ball low across the box. Yeah. And I think he had Angelo Rodriguez and Ethan Finley, Finley yeah. and, and maybe somebody else, I can't remember, that, that were waiting for the service. And Finley was completely unmarked. All he has to do is slide it across. And he gets it completely wrong. He puts way too much underneath it, and it skies and it yeah. goes out for a goal kick. And <laughs> that's the sharpness that, that needs to get better from yeah. him, you know? And, and he knows that as well. And, and, and look, I mean... I, I think Abu is, is great. I think he's got so much potential. He, he's raw. He's 
He's so quick. He's strong. He's got everything you would really need to be a success in this league. So I think the, the, the more important question for Abu in the next couple of weeks is, what role does he play? Mm-hmm. Is he a winger? Is he a centre-forward? Personally, I think he's a centre-forward, but I would understand also why the coaching staff would, would play him out wide as well. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, yeah, look, no, no doubt he added an element of excitement that we perhaps didn't have up front, uh, particularly in, in, in the second half. Yeah. And then uh, I wanted to touch on Jan Gregus's goal because that's a goal I've wanted to see from him. And as we've said in, in, in practice, you know, yeah. like you just see him banging those, those long shots. And that is, it is a nice, it's a nice element to add as an option into the, into the offense. I feel like it's something that we haven't had. I mean, obviously we've scored some long goals, but, um, but sort of having that, that center mid, mm. you know, who, who can see the options and, and, you know, he's sort of trying to see who's ahead of him and then he sees an opportunity and just takes that shot. Uh, it's it's a good way to keep goalkeepers honest. I feel like it was a driving run where the sh- the, the right shoulder was down, and he, and he you know you're right. He was looking for an option and, and saw there was nothing there, so he had to crack himself. and And that's good to know that we have that option, as you say. You know, we, we've not had enough output from the centre of midfield in terms of goals um, over the last couple of years. But um, look, for, for me, the goalkeeper should save it anyway. I think Bingham. It, it's not his finest hour at all, but right. um, you know the ball moves, it knuckles, and which would suggest there was a certain element of, of velocity behind the, the effort from Greg Gush, and, and that's good. That that's a good option to have. And look, I don't think that'll be the last time we see Greg Gush score a goal like that this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't want to subsist on a steady diet of of rockets from 25 <laughs> yards out or something like that. But, um, but it's, it's fun to see. It's a, it's, it's a thing I've always liked, you know, your Lampards, your, you know, your Gerards, oh, your, yeah, your yeah, guys yeah. just like banging it in. So uh, I, I think, I think that stuff is fun. And I know that Jan, you've seen him take a couple shots like that and then be mad that he hasn't hit it correctly. Yeah. So I think it'll do him a world of good to, to, to get that in there. Uh, let's talk a little bit. We don't have a game this week, so we don't really have as much of a, a preview to line up here, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the scarf raising yesterday, which mm. you were at at Allianz Field. Um, you know, it's a ceremony. It's not. It's not a tremendously weighty or you know like uh, thick event. It's it's a chance uh, to bring a lot of people there to to do something that 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 feels good and give some more people the chance to view the building. I, it's sort of nice this way that a little uh, more and more people are getting to go in and see what it's all about. So, um, what was your you know, what, what was your takeaway from it? Like, what was the, what was the vibe? It was great to see people in the building, yeah. you know, because, the you know, only I can only remember being there with, you know, with employees of the club, people like you, yourself and, and my broadcasting colleagues. And those are the only people I've really been in the building with. So it was great to, to actually see people in the building and, and, and their eyes light up and all the, um, the suggestions of... Um, of, of how quality they thought the whole thing was. And, and it, it was, it was great to see. I hosted, uh, it was about 200 people in, in the, um, the stadium club for a, a little event after the, the main event. And, um, people were, were just in awe of everything. You know, they had sort of self-guided tours. They saw the locker room and these are all of our, our partners as well. And, and I, I won't name any because there's a, <laughs> a plethora of them. Um, and, uh, you know, they uh, they had a great time. Everyone had a really, really good time. And it was a, a good opportunity for, for someone like myself as well to, to have a chat with a lot of people that I, I don't usually get the chance to. You know, there, there were people there from Allianz who, who I don't see very often, you know, maybe a couple of times a year. And 
it's good to catch up with them, you know. And mm-hmm. um, it, it it was really really good. Um, obviously, we got nothing but positive feedback from from the stadium itself. Um, and I <laughs> I can't I can't stress enough how how unbelievable this stadium is. It it it's beyond beauty. It 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 defines perfection. It it, it really is the crown jewel of American soccer, you know, at, at least for the next couple of years. And it's, um, it, it, it is quite frankly, one of the best stadiums I've ever been in, in my life. And, and I can't wait to see it full, you know, on, on April yeah. 13th. It's going to be absolutely exceptional, Steve, but it was really good. And, and, you know, we got the, the money shot where the people outside mm-hmm. raised their scarves as the large scarf was raised underneath Allianz field. And it was really good. You know, the mayor of St. Paul, mayor of uh, Minneapolis was there uh, the commissioner of MLS, Don Garber, was there as well, and he had some very nice things to say about the stadium and the franchise itself. Um, you know, managing uh, director Bill McGuire was there, and um, I-, I was really pleased for him as well because you could you, you got a sense of uh, tremendous pride from him walking around, chest out. You know, yeah. so this is mine. Yeah. You know, and, and 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 fair play to him. Well done to him. You know, he has every right to be walking around, uh, sort of serenading his baby you know yeah. and uh, and well done to him it was a it really was a momentous day for the club it was it was fantastic to to be a part of it and um you know as i said now i know we have a couple of events in a building uh, coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks but now all eyes will almost certainly focus to april 13th yeah i mean it's 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 nice that there's going to be more and more people coming in we have season ticket members going to be coming in yep. um eventually just you know we'll have a general public open house people will be able to come check it out um it's always exciting i think that um sometimes it's, it's a little tough when you've been close to the construction of it and sort of involved in a lot of elements and as far as you know we've been going there since it was a, a hole in the hole ground, in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and seeing you know it's, it's 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 fun for for me to go back in my mind and think about like being in the locker room and the moment now looking at the locker room and the moment when i was there you know last year and it was like this is where the locker room is going to be and now you can be like oh this is i see it all coming together um but i think there's also something kind of fun about um people who just haven't gotten to go in at all yet to suddenly go in and see this thing completely created yeah um and it is and it's crazy to think that it's still got this distance to go because we haven't even played a game there yet and that's the purpose and when when people see how good the game is going to feel in that stadium i think it's you know again this is the way soccer is it's not it's it's about that experience it's about that experience in the stadium i mean it's it's a terrific game to watch on tv um i mean especially once you sort of know what you're looking at and everything like that but to see it in the stadium is a is is a whole different thing i mean it's it's tough. I went to a, a Timberwolves game a couple of weeks ago, um, and I used to cover basketball. Uh, mm-hmm. I used to cover the NBA, and I loved it. And I still enjoy. I still enjoy basketball. But it is, it is a shock to be sitting there, and then every once in a, to, every so often they stop everything, and then the lights go down, and then people come out and they dance, and then it goes up, and mm-hmm. then there's T-shirts, and there's being, things being dropped from a blimp, and you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of pageantry that goes into a lot of professional American sports. And soccer doesn't have that. I mean, it has its traditions. It has its 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 elements. You know, there's the march, there's the smoke, there's sure. the, all of that stuff. But it's so organically driven by the supporters, and 
I've just gotten accustomed now to watching a game that doesn't stop, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and that, and where everything is driven by those supporters constantly sort of guiding the energy in the stadium up and down. And it's, it's, it isn't like anything else. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's like if people have not experienced it and they're going to come to Allianz field this year thinking like, Oh, well I went to target field when it opened. I went to the target center when they, you know, redid it or whatever like that. It's, it's different. Like it feels different. It is. Um, I think the best way to describe the, the game of soccer is no nonsense. Yeah, we, we all know why we're there. Let's get on with the game. You know, there's no need for any flashy halftime show. There's no need for any of uh, the pleasantries that you just mentioned around the game. We all know why we're there. Let's enjoy the game together. Yeah. You know? uh, let's talk a little bit about the international break that's coming up. Um, as uh, Jamie Watson and I were talking about on our, our fantasy podcast, the Fantasy mm-hmm. 15, um, uh, it's it's a bloodbath as far as fantasy because there's <laughs> no teams playing. And many of uh, the teams that are playing don't have marquee players. And if they do, those marquee players are often out. So basically, Carlos Vela is going to run MLS this week, I think, uh, more or less. But uh, is the, are there any... Uh, Minnesota United players going out to play games that you're sort of looking forward to seeing them in a, in a different context. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Romario Ibarra against the United States. Yeah. Uh, because I'd be surprised if he didn't start. I know he's impressed um, the Ecuadorian coaching staff over the last couple of, uh, of times he's been called up. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to that, to see how he uh, how he goes up against uh, this this new look United States. And... Um, what whilst we're on the subject of, of, of that, Steve, I, I'm I am intrigued to see how the US do. Yeah. Um absolutely. Greg Berhalter has um sort of piggybacked off of uh, this this new system now that, that first first time I saw it anyway was was Pep Guardiola executing it at Manchester City and, and then Peter Vermees did it in, in Kansas City, where the two fullbacks almost operate as central midfielders. Um this is not soccer one oh one. This is uh you know, expert, this is diving deep into um, the way that the, the game is now potentially going to be played, or at least one element of it anyway. And, um, you know, I saw that, I think it was one of the athletic reporters reported that Tyler Adams were playing as a right back, and everybody was up in arms. Why? Why is he playing at right back? Why, why is he, you know, as a centre midfielder, why is he going to be doing this? Yeah. And I think it was Paul Tenorio, actually, who pointed it out. So why, why is everybody surprised with this? Look at how Berhalter plays. He's going to play as the center. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm really intrigued to see how this how this works. You know, Nick Lima uh, played it very, very well um, in the January camp. Yeah. But now you have an actual central midfielder who has been wonderful in the Bundesliga for, for RB Leipzig over the last couple of weeks and, and, and really made the position his own. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how he does there and, and, and just how they plan to deal with the pace of Ecuador because they are a quick team when they press forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this this is very much, this roster is very much with the idea of looking ahead to the Gold Cup. I get the feeling there's going to be a lot of, um, there's going to be a, a younger core heading into this Gold Cup um, with the majority of the players coming from Major League Soccer, which is never a bad thing. Um, but I'm intrigued to see that role for, for Tyler Adams mm-hmm. and how he does in that particular role. But but also I'm looking forward to seeing the likes of Jordan Morris as well, who, who's come back and had a, a really good start to his comeback year in Major League Soccer as well. A, a tremendous finish from him um, for the, the game in, in Chicago. His first goal was wonderful. So I wonder if he starts. Um, you know, I know Zach Steffen's got a little bit of an injury, so maybe we now see another uh, goalkeeper, another opportunity. 
Um, for, I saw um, Gonzalez for Dallas was called in, so maybe he gets an opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it's the time to um, for, from from the US point of view, it's a time to to really take a look at some of the younger players, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to if I if I can figure out how to how to watch it to watch Roman Metanier with. Uh, Madagascar team because in Senegal, yeah. He's, he's he's quickly become one of my favorite players to watch uh, for Minnesota United, and so mm. he's a guy I would not have picked out necessarily before he was on the team. But now I'm like, I kind of want to see this guy. Like he just he's just got a he's just got a, a way of playing the game that's very appealing. It's very aggressive. It's 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 um, it's tough. Yep. Um, but it, he reads the game well. I think uh, yeah, like as we said, first first half was a little rough for him, but like uh, of the LA Galaxy game. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But but but, um, but overall, I mean, I'm saying like he's so much fun to watch. Um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm sort of interested to see you know, and I like guess how much I know about the Madagascar national team. Go on. Like nothing. <laughs> Not an expert. Well, uh, this is the interesting <laughs> thing is so what what is quite intriguing about this is that Romain Matanel actually made his is Madagascar debut against Senegal last year. So they're, they're playing against them again, uh, I think it's on Friday, I think. And, and to my knowledge, it is an African Cup of Nations qualifying game. Now, the African Cup of Nations is essentially uh, the gold cup, if you will, for Africa. Right. Um, and um, as I mentioned, Madagascar are up against Senegal. And, you know, they've, they've always been fairly decent and they have a, a centre forward that's... Um, Liverpool fans may be, may be aware of, in, in uh, Sadio Mane, who is, for me, one of the, the best attacking-minded players in the Premier League at the moment. And I wonder if he's as effective without that Liverpool contingency around him. But that'll be a challenge for, for Meta now to deal with, you know, and, sure. and I'm intrigued. I, I'm with you there. I would like to find a way to watch that game to see how he does against one of the Premier League's best. Yeah, it's on uh, something called BN Sports okay. Connect. Which I think I had at one time. I don't know. I can't sort out my my cable. <laughs> I don't have cable, and I never know where to go to watch things. It's always like, is this on Fox Sports? Is this on ESPN Plus? Like, I'm still trying to figure that stuff out. So I had been at one time, but mm-hmm. uh, not. I don't think I have it now. Oh, no. so. I don't know. I'll, fi- I'll, f- I'll try to figure. You'll something figure out. it out. Yeah. yeah something. <laughs> uh, I'm also interested. I'm going to be interested in the the New England Cincinnati game uh, this weekend since we're playing. Since uh, you know we're playing the the Revs. Yep. Uh, in a couple weeks' time, and again, a team I don't I don't know. Uh, a ton about. They're not a team I ever really followed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati is also, I'm going to be interested to see, you know, it, what is, was the, was the win over the Timbers like an indication of, of figuring out who they are? I mean, I don't necessarily think they're a 3-0 on the road team, uh, but who are they? Is their system working? Uh, mm-hmm. What are they going to do? They're missing a ton of guys. This is, you know, like an, I don't know if Adi is going to be good to go next week. He had he had a little knock. He came off, but and Maddox came on in his place. Maddox is not there. A lot, a lot of Cruz is not there. Watson is not there. Um, so they have they have some some holes to fill, and that depth is always an issue for expansion teams. So, yep. um, but that'll be interesting. I don't know basically anything about the Revs. Huh. Um, so. <laughs> That's well, where I am with them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll preview them on the next podcast before we play them. But By um, then, I will have had to, done a lot more. <laughs> I'm intrigued. It's a bit of a transition period for them at the moment. Um, you know, they uh, they had been playing Teal Bunbury up, up front. Now he's gone back to a wide position, to my knowledge, and, and I don't get that for the life of me. Um, you know, they've added Carlos Hill, who as uh, a designated player, number 10, who I'm a big fan of. He, um, I saw him... Score a screamer for Aston Villa uh, several years ago. Um, he's a Spanish, a little Spanish uh, number 10, as I say, and he was very successful at Deportiva La Coruña. Um, when I saw that he'd signed for the revolution, I, I don't know, I haven't, like yourself, 
done enough digging into it yet, but I, I, I'm assuming that Brad Friedel played with him at Aston Villa mm-hmm. um, during that time, that they must have had some sort of crossover. But I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll have a look at that next week. But um, look, they're, they're, they're decent going forward. They're not bad. Um, I like um, Stephen Caldwell. Uh, oh, sorry, Scott Caldwell in the, in the central midfield. Um, he's he's always been a steady number six in this league as well, so I, I like him quite a lot. A holding midfielder? Holding midfielder. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're not bad at all, but, um, uh, you know, from early evidence, I would suggest they are there for the taking. Sure. But let's see how they get on against Cincinnati this coming weekend. Yeah, it's nice to have those those two wins in hand from from the, the Quakes and, and the Caps in terms of thinking about you know, as you think about these stretches of games and how many points are you going to come into Allianz Field with and just look at those first five games. Like, if you get a point against New England, even if mm. you don't get anything against Red Bulls, like coming in with, you know, seven points on your first five games on the road after n- not getting close to that last season, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not too bad as far as starts go. I think so. a lot of people would have would have taken that had you offered it yeah. before the season started. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll see, but... Um, I'm still I'm still holding on to my belief that we, that we win. We're going to... Here's my prediction. It's based on nothing at all. <laughs> I think I think we lose lose or draw the game against the Revs, but then win or draw the game against the Red Bulls. Like, and that's the surprise. I, I mean, that would just be so Major League Soccer, right? Because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yes. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, we'll we'll wait and see, but uh, no doubt, two two uh, vastly different places to go. Minnesota United, but let's get the international break done first. Sure. You know, a lot of a uh, lot of players out on international duty. Let's hope they come back unscathed, uh, and then we'll go again next week. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us for the 49th Sound of the Loons podcast. You know what that means? Wow. So, we're, what are we doing for the 50th? I, I don't know. What is 50th? Is that diamond? You're giving me diamonds. Sure. Okay, all right. Yeah, cool. um, <clears throat> uh, Minnesota United's next game is on Saturday, March 30th, against the New England Revolution at 1 p.m. You can watch that game on Fox Sports North Plus and listen on Score North. I'm, there's going to be a watch party for it, I'm certain. Somewhere, yep. Um, watch out for that information on our social media channels. Uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. And follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>